Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back, everybody, for another PT Pearl. Today, we are going to be talking into shin splints, or what is also known as medial tibial stress syndrome. So what is it? Why do we kind of get this thing called shin splints, and how can we start to approach it? Mm -hmm. I think it's such a common thing, and we really have to start by kind of distinguishing between shin splints and anterior compartment syndrome. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's it's a common thing that can kind of, you know, if if people are thinking at the front of the shin, there's kind of two different areas that we're talking about here. So when we talk about medial tibial stress syndrome or what could be a posterior tibial dysfunction, Ten, yeah, tendon dysfunction. Um, so that comes on more. Of, so that's talking if I'm looking at the bottom leg, so my shin area, mm-hmm. right? It is on the inside of the the bone that right that comes like right along the center of your shin. So you can feel the bone and it's almost to the inside as well. And right on the inside of that is where we then get this repetitive stress, this repetitive pain, especially running. <laughs> so runners are obviously going to feel it a lot more. Yep. Yeah, there are Groups of people, of course, that feel this more. Um, one of the things it said, if you suddenly change your activity or suddenly start doing a lot more activity mm-hmm. or suddenly get a lot more intense in the exercise you're doing, that can suddenly cause this to start you know, popping up. Athletes, like if you're just starting your sport or something like that, people, again, with high arches or flat feet, mm-hmm. because it's going to cause those tendons and those muscles in our shins to be working slightly more or slightly differently. Um, runners we'll just tend to have this more often because we're putting more load and likely experience those other things. Like they suddenly just start running or they start a training bout and haven't been doing a lot for a while. So runners might just do some of those other things more often that we said. Same with military. Yeah. If you're in the military, if you're in sports or anything that you're going to be on your feet a lot. And suddenly like having to do so much more, right? Especially in the military, if you've gone from working out, but then now it's all day long or you're having a lot of running programmed into the workouts that you're not used to as much, then it's it's common for all of a sudden you're, you're working muscles in a different way. Maybe you haven't been doing all the strengthening and the stretching and yeah. all the other stuff prior to just increasing all of this volume load. Or say that you're suddenly going on like a hiking trip and you're hiking mm-hmm. every day and you're going up and down hills and that's something that you're not used to or like going over rocks and a lot of gravel. We're just making our shin and the muscles around our shin and lower leg and ankle work a lot differently. Yeah. Now, if we think of anterior compartment syndrome, I'll just go over that real quick because that is different. So anterior compartment syndrome, again, if you find that bone on that lower leg and you just go to the outside of it. So now it's more of like that squishy muscle that you feel right in the front on the side of the bone. That is not shin splint. So if that is kind of taking over at a lot of pressure, um, that's where it's good to just go in and get checked by an MD. Uh, because anterior compartment syndrome can be just like a buildup of the tissue and the fluids right in the front of that area, meaning that it's taking on a lot more stress um, 
could be related to running, could be related to overuse of the muscle, but it's something to definitely get checked out, I would say, from your MD. Yeah. The only other one that I could think of in the shin area would be like a, a tibial stress fracture, you know, mm-hmm. in, in our low tibia. And they generally say like that's a third of the way up your shin. But again, you'll feel that more right on the shin bone itself or towards the front of the shin bone mm-hmm. rather than like Jen was saying, along the inside of that shin bone kind of coursing down the inside of our ankle. Yeah. And so that's why shin splints is also known as medial tibial stress syndrome because it's on the inside of that lower leg, the bone on the lower leg is called your tibia. So that's your anatomy lesson for the day. Yeah. And some of the like presentations is you might in more intense cases have some swelling there. You might Mm -hmm. get a little bit of like warmth, you know, in an acute case, if you just went on a run and you have a bout of it right away, you might have a little warmth or inflammation Mm -hmm. and swelling in that area too, kind of the lower leg um, down even into that inside of that ankle. And then if it's becoming more of um, a posterior tibial tendon dysfunction, that's when, again, we're going to go tell you to go back and listen to the episode 18 that we did on tendonitis versus tendinopathy and how it might be more of a chronic condition more than just this acute inflammation. And we need to start treating it a little bit differently than just putting ultrasounds and ice packs and things that might help with the inflammation because if it might not be an inflammatory thing. Now, posterior tib, what are we talking about when we say that? Again, we're just talking about the inside of that lower leg. You have a muscle called your posterior tibialis, which is going to come down along the inside of that lower leg and it's going to come and it's going to wrap around the bone on the inside. So the ankle bone um, on the inside of the foot, it's going to come down and it's going to wrap into the foot. And so that's where say that we have a flat foot or a really high arch and we don't know how to control these, then that's when we can start to overstress and overload, especially if now all of a sudden you're starting to run more, starting to hike more, starting to use these feet or you're wearing shoes that aren't or I mean, we can talk about these different things, but, you know, shoes that might be conducive to increasing the stress and the load within the foot or not having the control of the foot. And so it's relying on the shoe or it could be that you're all of a sudden going from running on a treadmill, which has a little bit more give to running outside on concrete, which does not have any give. And so running all of a sudden on harder surfaces and not, you know, that can also change the amount of load that you have. Yeah, a lot of the first things that come up when we start, you know, experiencing these symptoms is, okay, how can we kind of offload things right away, especially if we're more in this inflammatory acute stage? Yes. There are some things we can do to just like get those symptoms to calm down right away. Again, that's not going to change the underlying thing if we want to go back to that activity, Mm -hmm. right? Pain might go away, but then if we jump right back into that activity, we might flare up those shin splints again. Yeah. So doing things like changing footwear to maybe get a little bit less pressure through that arch or need to control it a little less yourself is great. But then if you're doing exercises to be able to control that arch on your own, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Mm -hmm. is what's going to help you with some more long-term stuff. So when we talk about shin splints, it's like, what can we do in the immediate to maybe get the symptoms to go away? That wouldn't be the long-term fixes. Like, hey, let's just not run 10 miles every day this week. (laughs) Or, you know, let's make sure that we're resting um, using you know, they talk about ice or compression or things like this that are all just treating these symptoms, but mm-hmm. not actually getting towards some of these underlying causes that we might need to look at. 
And I'm not a big proponent of like, now you can't do this workout. Now you can't do this exercise. It's how do we modify around it so that you still can. So maybe Mm -hmm. you can't go run 10 miles, but can you run a mile? And can you change it from a surface of a hard concrete to can you find a track somewhere nearby uh, that you can go run out of school? So even just changing the surface of what we're running on is going to make a huge impact on getting back into our activity. Um, especially when you say, oh, I'm just going to take, I need to rest. So I'm going to take a week to two off and I'm not going to do anything. That's also not what we're going to recommend. We're going to recommend start with some of the exercises that we're going to start to kind of dive in and talk about. Um, so don't just ice rest and do nothing. That should never be your treatment protocol. I'm going to say that again. That (laughs) should never be your treatment protocol. Especially when there's inflammation, because when there's inflammation, there's usually healing happening or tissue changes or like acute things happening to our tissues. And we need to teach those tissues how to take advantage of that Mm -hmm. and not shy away or be afraid of the inflammation, but use it for our benefit. Exactly. Exactly. We want to be teaching our brain a different stimulus. And we can do that working with pain. Okay. Pain is common in the body and especially when we're having injury. So being okay to do our exercises and just modifying, do them a little bit differently, maybe change it up. Okay. But it doesn't mean that we have to pull back completely. We're just doing something a little differently to tell your body it is okay to continue to move. It's okay to continue to strength train in other ways and progress in other ways. Maybe I'm just not running 10 miles right now. Yeah. So, I mean, we mentioned some of the things that we can look at to change in the short term and find some differences. Do you want to go into a few exercises and and kind of show some of the things in different areas of the body that you can start approaching? So here's the thing. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It is always best to assess rather than guess. Okay. Always 100% better to assess rather than just Googling, finding the exercises that are most common in this injury, which could help. It could help, but you're also just gambling and you're throwing exercises at your body, ones that you might not need and ones that you might not need. (laughs) (laughs) Ones you might not need or ones you might not need. Exactly. So make sure... To assess, that was one of the recommendations we saw on, you know, a big PT organization saying that go find somebody, especially if you're an athlete, especially if you're a daily mover, to give you an assessment and give you a couple more pointers. Because in all those other things that we listed, they may also have suggestions on that, how to best optimize it for your body, wherever you're at. Because again, we said whether your feet are extra arched or a little bit more flat versus what kind of shoes you've been wearing consistently, what kind of activity you've been doing consistently. These are all going to be different. So we're just going to touch on some major spots in the body that Mm -hmm. you're going to want to address at some point through prehab or rehab in this kind of process. But having someone to help you through that is always best. And that's what we do as physical therapists. Physical therapists do evaluate. We do assess. And then we do treatment plans. And treatment plans are based on your dysfunction within your body. Mm -hmm. So it's based on what is limited, what is tight, what is not working well, what is weak, what is not programming well. So like within your brain to your muscle, what's not activating, what's not connecting. So that's what we as physical therapists are really looking at doing. So we do give you a prescription. It's just not for a drug. It's for an exercise routine. Yeah. Um, and it's so important to stick to those and not just write it off as, oh, I did it a couple of times and it didn't work for me. Yeah. Or I just need to wait until I see my physical therapist to do it because based on how often you'll see a physical therapist is not enough. You got to be doing it more often. 
Um, okay. So some of the major areas that we can look at that are very common that need to be assessed and that need to usually have a little bit more support and work. It's definitely going to be your hips. So your mm-hmm. glutes or your glute med in particular, which is the outside stabilizing muscle of your hip, because as we take a step, whether we're walking or running, that is going to be the muscle that's really stabilizing and holding us up. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can go down the leg. We need our quads to still be strong because especially again with running, we put a lot of load and compression. So we need the strength of our quads to be able to support us. Then working down the leg, we need the strength of the back of the calves. So yes, our gastroc, but also our soleus. So our soleus is a muscle underneath the gastroc that responds and works um, even more when we're in a bent leg position. So think about it when you walk and run you're not you shouldn't really be locking out your leg especially as you land on your leg you're in a bent leg position so the muscle that needs to be strong and active there is your soleus um and then again whether it is on the so anything again that's working on the inside we need to make sure that a posterior tib muscle is strong and um active no matter how we're going to put load on the foot yep and then that, I mean, the posterior tip does a little bit of this, but down all the way through the arch of the foot, mm-hmm. posterior tip helps lift and control the arch of that foot. And there's also a lot of other muscles that help with the arch of the foot. So those are some areas, hip, outsides of the hips, quads or the front of the thighs, our posterior tip or that inside calf muscle along with the soleus mm-hmm. and our arch. Yeah. So we're going to run through maybe one example of an exercise for each of those quick yeah. to kind of end out this pearl. Yeah. And I just want to say, baseline underneath all of that, you can do all the strength training in the world to work those hips and everything. But if you don't have the adequate mobility, you're lacking that first foundation of really being able to open up and get the proper strength. If you're lacking the inner stability within your core, your pelvic floor to your diaphragm to that transverse abdominis and multifidi, if you're not breathing well um, and effectively, not well, but effectively as we usually describe and, and contracting more through that inner core, like we teach in the optimal body program, then getting your hips and the outer muscles to contract and work the way we want is going to be a lot harder So work on your foundation. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Foundational stability before we get mobility with our arms exactly. and legs. All right. One of the first ones that Jen is going to jump into is a little bit of a quad thing but also more for our soleus i'd say so she's going to be against the wall and kind of get into what would be a wall sit so her knees are going to be almost at a 90 degree angle and then she's going to raise both of her heels off the ground and where she's going to start to feel this is in that lower calf as she's sitting up on her toes because her knees are bent so then we're working our soleus which is kind of the big powerhouse of the calf because we also have this gastroc muscle that crosses the knee so with her knees bent She's working into that soleus. And one thing that she wants to make sure she does is don't let her ankles kind of fall out to the side like that because that's one thing that we're not using that posterior tib as well to control and keep those feet in line and keep that arch supported on the inside rather than just kind of collapsing in the outside of those ankles. So that's a good one for your quads and that, that soleus. So yeah, that wall sit on the toes feels good. All right. Okay, next one we're going to show is just for the outer part of the hip. So I like to cue this one a little bit different and work on holds first because it just feels way more yummier and you get to feel it on that hip. So 
Dom is laying on his side. Again, head over to YouTube if you want an example of what this looks like. Dom's laying on his side and then he's going to take his leg, his top leg straight. His bottom leg can be bent and just relaxed. We show a different version of this in the optimal body with activations in terms of how you can start to utilize uh, the lower leg and the pelvis. But that's if you want to go into a lot more detail with activation. Then he's going to take his the bottom of his foot. So thinking about his arch and he's going to reach it away from his hip. So he reaches away, kind of dumping the big toe down toward the floor. And then he's going to lift the heel up slightly and back behind him. And then he holds. Now, where do you feel this? He has a straight leg all the way out. I feel (laughs) it just right in the outside and slightly towards the back of my bum, which is right where we should feel this kicking in. If you're feeling it in your low back, If you're feeling in the front of the hip, then we need to go through those cues that Jen just said again and make sure you're setting this up right because it should be directing it right towards kind of the outside and the back of that that bum. Good. And remember, guys, let's show one more um, for the hamstrings and the soleus. The line. Yeah. Remember, guys, if you want to go into more detail in terms of like, I'm not sure how to activate. I'm not sure how to feel this in all those different areas. That is what we go into in way more detail Mm. in the Optimal Body Program, which we love those activations. That's like literally working with a physical therapist in person and actually understanding where your glutes are, where your glute meat is, where your transverse abdominal, all the things. This is where you get way more detail with us. Okay. So he is in on his back and he's going to go into like a bridge supported position. And now he's going to think of kind of tucking his tailbone under feet are away just slightly so that he can get more into his hamstrings. So when his feet are further away from his body, he's going to feel it a lot more into the hamstrings. And then he's going to rise up onto the big toe again. Again, trying not to fall to the outside, but trying to really push on the ball of the big toe and push the inside. Do you feel that, Dom? Oh, yeah. So now his knees are bent in this bridge position. So he's now getting his soleus, which is underneath his gastroc, to really start to fire, plus his hamstrings because he's kind of his feet are a little bit further out. Mm -hmm. So he's getting hamstrings, still a little bit of glutes. If your back starts to feel it more, just drop your hips and posterior and kind of tuck that tailbone under a little bit more. And then again, try not to fall on the outside of those ankles. Try to really push through the ball of the big toe. And even if you're watching, I'm on a squishy surface. Yeah. And so you can't tell that I'm trying to lift my heels that much. But <laughs> when I do the bridge that way, I feel it in my calves. I feel it in the back of my hamstrings. And the biggest challenge is keeping my pelvis tucked so that I don't feel it in my low back. Yes. So that's one thing to just be aware of as you're trying that. Yep. That is a great one. Posterior tip exercise. So this one so easily. What does your posterior tip do? So it it creates inversion of the foot. So this is literally just meaning if I'm looking and kind of relaxing in my lower leg, then I am taking my toes toward the inside of my body without moving my knee. So without moving my knee, just moving in my foot, I'm going to take my toes on the inside of my body. And what that is going to do right along that inside of that lower leg, again, we're kind of firing up that tibia. So this movement alone can be the first thing that we start to do to try and point the toes down and in, activate that posterior tib muscle, and then maybe start to use a little load and grab a band and do this and then start to have more load but control it on the way back Um, and then there's ways that we can start loading the posterior tip in standing or something like that to get more load but this is just a great way to start actively knowing how you control that posterior tip through its lengthening and shortening yeah 
And the most important thing that research is always going back to is eccentric. So that means as I pull my my foot to the inside, that's the concentric phase, okay? Yep. Now, as I slowly let it lengthen, and that's where usually, especially if you have a band or say you even have your hand against your foot and you're going to slowly let it back out, sometimes the foot shakes and kind of doesn't know how to mm-hmm. control it. That is building in that lengthening phase of the tissue. And that's going to help not only strengthen more, but it's also going to help with kind of that flexibility of that tissue. Yes. So it's going to help a lot, especially when you go running, when you're going to, you know, do different things. Um, another way to kind of strengthen it is just to take like squeezing a ball between your feet mm-hmm. and taking the inside of those toes and squeezing them toward each other. Again, keeping the knees right where they are, not moving them. That's a great way. And then we can show real quick, Dom can talk through an arch. Yeah. So with the arch, the same way that when Jen's just standing flat on her foot, what she's going to try doing is almost let the inside of her arch relax down and flatten towards the ground. So the inside of her foot is almost resting on the ground. Right now, our posterior tib muscle And the arch muscles of our foot are at a lengthened or stretched position. And sometimes, if you can imagine people who run with flat feet, if we're running and just letting our arch kind of uncontrollably fall into this position, that's our whole body weight just yanking through those tissues. So once we're from here, learning to then lift and rise that arch up while we keep the big toe pressing into the ground, while we keep the the outside edge of our foot on the ground, but if we can contract and raise that arch and then slowly let it go back down, then we're using those arch muscles, our posterior tib and our other foot muscles to support that arch and then lengthen out and go back to the ground. And then if you wanted a little resistance, I mean, you can kind of put a resistance band coming out the inside of your foot and pull up on it. It can add a little bit of extra resistance to that or just stand and do it on one foot. Mm-hmm. But that's almost called a short foot exercise where we're learning to shorten up our foot, support our arch, um, and yeah, kind of actually activate and use those muscles through that range. And the most important thing here is that you're not just pulling from yes. your toes and we're not doing this exercise. That's different. But we're keeping the ball of the big toe down and the and the other toes trying to relax as much as possible. And I think that's always the hardest thing to kind of get your brain to do at first. <laughs> but the more you work on it, the better it gets. Yeah. And so then one of the last things that we would want to talk about is just your ankle flexibility in general. Mm-hmm. If we have very stiff ankles or those muscles don't have active range, then when we go ru- uh, running, we're going to be much more likely to hit up into that maximum range that they have. So if we increase that range, And then the control that those muscles have through the range, we're going to improve or maybe um, decrease our chances of getting those shin splints. Exactly. Ankle dorsiflexion stretch and calf stretching. You can all find those in the in the mobility method as well if you have stiff and tight ankles or or stiff and tight calves. So always ways to just continue. Find the dysfunction, work the dysfunction, continue on with it even past where it feels like it's better and you don't need it. Continue on. Thank you again for joining us on yet another PT Pearl. We just appreciate you so much. And of course, if you need more visuals for each PT Pearl, they are over at Doc Gen Fit on YouTube. There is a whole section for the PT Pearls from the Optimal Body Podcast that you can use to really see what we're talking about. And don't forget, 
If you really like this, if you're learning from it, share it out, share it with your community. Tell us what you're learning. Rate and subscribe to the episode because there's going to be so many more goodies and PT pearls along the way. And if you're ready to dive in even deeper, don't forget we have an Optimal Body membership with an incredible community of movers learning with us and moving in their body. Until next time, thank you again.